Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It is the end of the first round, and we've got game sixes and game sevens abound. If you want to bet on all the basketball this weekend, head on over to betonline.ag using the link in the description to this episode. Use our promo code BLEAVE. B-L-E-A-V for a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up. Bet online, where the game starts. Good afternoon or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy Podcast Live. On the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is April 29th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever you may be listening. Welcome to our NFL Draft Recap Show for 2022. I hope you all enjoyed the fantabulous, fantastic, fun, freaky NFL draft that we engaged with today. Blake Jude is out in Vegas covering the NFL draft, and so this year we don't get Blake Jude to come on and recap the draft with us as we've done every year for the past two years. In the past, also, we didn't have basketball going on at the same time, so I think that's kind of messed with the timing and cycles of this stuff a little bit, but I never realized how different it was in this situation. So uh, there were also three game sixes in, in the NBA going on at the same time. I assume next week we'll get into the NBA stuff, but in terms of NFL draft coverage, since I'm taking the reins this year, for at least our post-recap show, and because there isn't a foregone conclusion at the top of the draft this year, as there's been in past years. So, remember in 2020 when the pandemic first started, we knew Joe Burrow was going to be the first pick. We knew Chase Young was going to be the second pick. We knew Jeff Okuda was going to be the third pick. We didn't know who the Giants would take at four. We knew it wasn't going to be a quarterback, so Herbert was going to be five. Tua was going to be six, and the draft just kind of went in order and it was at the end when things got interesting, when like CeeDee Lamb went to the Cowboys and the Raiders took Henry Ruggs and Jordan Love went to the Packers, but I didn't want to talk about Jordan Love. And we got to see Mike Vrabel's absolutely insane family. And then last year in the draft, we knew number one was going to be Trevor Lawrence. We knew number two was going to be Zach Wilson. We assumed number three was going to be Trey Lance because it couldn't possibly be Mac Jones, but it was Trey Lance. And... Everything else filtered relatively normally. We didn't really have... We had an inkling this year. The The gambling people ended up being kind of right. 
but ultimately we kind of had the whole draft at our disposal. And so this year, let's take it bit by bit. And for the beginning of the draft, we're going to have some live reaction. Part of that is because I'm not memeing this year over on Comical Sports Memes. Rest in peace. So I had the time to actually talk about the draft and cover the draft this year. So we'll talk about the picks. Some of them are going to be live reactions. Some of them are going to be delayed down the road. We're going to go in relative order this year of the happenings and events in the 2021 NFL draft. And I'm really excited, or sorry, 2022 NFL draft. And I'm very excited to chat it up with you guys on what's usually one of our more exciting podcasts of the year. The post-college football playoff one is usually exciting. The first week of the NFL or the first game of the NFL season is usually really exciting, especially because we were in Tampa last year to watch it. All kinds of stuff are fun with these events. And I'm excited to see how this uh, works out. And uh, I hope you, I mean, you guys already know the results. You guys already know the results, but I'm hoping that this format of the podcast works out because our post NFL draft show is usually one of our most fun every single year. Although we've only been doing draft coverage in the pandemic world. So maybe the post pandemic world changes this a little bit in terms of my ability to engage with the entire draft and the format that we're doing, but we're going to test things out. We're going to get a little spicy here on the Take It Easy podcast. 2022 NFL Draft Recap Show. All right, 2022 NFL Draft Live Show. I have to say, we are at the time of the draft, and I've got to give the Jaguars credit that we're pretty sure it's going to be Trayvon Walker, but I give them a lot of credit for concealing the pick all the way up until the NFL draft, even though it was completely unnecessary given that the Jacksonville Jaguars have the number one pick in the draft. Like, who are you afraid that is going to steal the pick from you? (laughs) Who are you afraid is going to come through and swipe pick number one from you? Your guy might not be that. No, you have the number one pick, but I assume that means they were like going between Thibodeau and Evan Neal, apparently, and Ike McQuanu and I guess Aiden Hutchinson and Walker. Like, I guess they just didn't know who they wanted to pick, which if if this is a weak draft class, then so be it too. And the first pick of the 2022 NFL draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars selects Trayvon Walker. Okay, so it was Trayvon Walker. Okay. Uh, I also have to do the I have to do the word effects because we can't uh, use Roger Goodell's voice uh, copyright rules. So yeah, Trayvon Walker first pick walking up to the stage. Very fun. I don't know why I'm doing a. It's not good audio to say that, but yeah, Trayvon Walker first pick for the Jaguars. No idea if that's going to work out or not, but. I would normally say, well, it's the Jaguars. They're probably going to F it up. At the same time, I'd say the Detroit Lions can probably F it up or the Jets can F it up or the Texans really going to F it up because those are the worst run organizations in football over the last 10 years. At least the Texans actually have their draft picks now. Year three of a five-year rebuild for Houston. So it looks like the Lions are going to get the decision taken out of their hands. They're not going to have to pick between Thibodeau or... I guess Walker would have been the alternative option if Hutchinson had gone number one. Do we even know if 
Hutchinson is better than Thibodeau because like the entire draft process I was told Thibodeau is number one like he's the number one prospect on Blake Jude's board I don't understand why people are doing the safe pick and going with Hutchinson like it seems like someone's going to get Kevon Thibodeau and just be incredibly incredibly happy with how it ends up working out it seems like this is how everyone's going to f this up I don't I, I mean maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm going too far ahead with that maybe it's a Maybe it's a little too. Maybe it's jumping the gun just a little too bit on that, too far on that one. But it's still like, I, I just if if Thibodeau is the number one prospect and like most people have him graded super high, like is it just the injuries? Is it the not playing? Like he he was supposed to be the number one pick last year. So like, is this going to be someone making a huge mistake in the draft? Is this the Jaguars and Lions like overthinking shit the way the Lions overthought Jeff Akuda? in 2020 i don't know i'm just kind of spitballing at this point all right so it's hutchinson at two no surprise there detroit got michigan guy which we thought was going to be the case because we thought thibodeau was going to be the number one pick but anyways michigan guy staying in michigan as jim harbaugh said love that aiden hutchinson's in the great state of michigan uh yeah he gets to that's that's got to be jim harbaugh's like catchphrase the great state of michigan Gotta love it. Great state of Michigan. Rawr, 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 rawr. Yeah. Uh, Hayden Hutchinson, Detroit Lion. I hope Man Campbell gets to keep his job. I hope Man Campbell plays poorly enough that he gets to keep his job because we are figuring out like he's the punchline of the joke now. He's the he's the punchline of ah they're gonna mess up the decision. Now we just gotta go by franchises than uh, calling it by team names or calling it by people because now it used to be Gettleman. It used to be Gettleman. It used to be John Gruden. I guess used to be Washington. Do we do we still make? I, I guess Washington's an organization, but it was like Gruden, it was Nagy, it was Ryan Pace, it was Gettleman, Ryan Pace, John Gruden. We used to have names of people who effed up picks, and now it's just teams because all those guys got fired now. It's a new era of shitty NFL football. All right, so now's the Texans. We have no idea what's going to happen next, although we're pretty sure Sauce Gardner is going to be pick number four. Jets want to take Sauce Gardner, which Walter had good insight. Walter had it in our mock draft that we did yesterday, which I guess is today by the time you're listening to it. Well, I guess no. Yeah, yesterday when we recorded it and yesterday when you listened to it, but today because today's draft day, whatever. Wouldn't it be an absolute power move if the Texans took Sauce Gardner with pick number three? I assume it's not going to be the case because the Jets can't really lock in Sauce Gardner at number four if the Texans are going to pick him, kind of like how they can't pick Aiden Hutchinson. Just be an absolute power move, though, if the Texans did that. Year three of a five-year rebuild. You know how we're going to fix this? We're going to fix it with Sauce Gardner. We're going to ruin Sauce Gardner's career as, well, I guess they'll probably have the number one pick next year, but what they hope would be the highest draft pick of their rebuild is picking Sauce Gardner. I mean, they should have had the three pick last year. Man, this is, the Texans are really bad, huh? Like, I know I recorded the Believe in Texans podcast for a while, but still, they are really bad at football. The Texans really suck. Uh, year three of a five-year rebuild for the Texans. Ice Cube stealing the microphone from Roger Goodell might end up being more interesting than any of the draft picks in the first hour of the draft. Uh, I also never realized how much Aiden Hutchinson looks like Pat McAfee's long-lost, like, son. 
Okay, so Derek Stingley pick three. I also like that for the people who aren't there, they just bring a fan up to accept the jersey on his behalf. I feel like that's kind of a funny little element they've added to the draft. No, I'm almost certain pick four is going to be Sauce Gardner. I'm not a not 100% sure. I feel like pick four is going to be Sauce Gardner. Everyone's going to regret passing on Thibodeau. Like, after the draft last year, if Thibodeau's number one then, and he's the number one prospect in college, and my buddy Blake Jude says he's the number one prospect in this, dra- in this draft class, even above Hutchinson and even above Trayvon Walker in terms of a grade, like... It feels like this is just everyone's making a mistake because of something that probably doesn't matter. It could end up not working out that way. It just feels like everyone's doing something wrong. I do love that Goodell said Sauce Gardner was really fun. Vegas people knew it on that one, which I I, I assume Sauce Gardner is a great pick there. I, I honestly don't know. Um, it just seemed like a foregone conclusion that it was going to be Sauce Gardner at four. Baltimore Ravens, if you're listening, get up to pick six and get Kevon Thibodeau. Just if if he if he starts falling, please make everyone look stupid because you get the best. Baltimore should never get the best player in the draft, but please please trade up right now. Also, funny thing that happened today that like kind of went under the radar: decline Daniel Jones' fifth year option. They just on draft day decline Daniel Jones' fifth year option, which is just a baller move. In my mind, I started to think, oh, maybe it's because they like a quarterback in the draft, and so they're going to decline. They're just like, no, bleep Daniel Jones. Just bleep Daniel Jones. They also, like, they're basically taking a risk because it was a $23 million player option. And they're like, well, if he balls out, we'll just give him a $30 million franchise tag. More likely than not, he will not ball out because Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback. At the very least, at the very least, it feels like the Dave Gettleman era is over simply because I like the pick that they made. Every single one of the picks in the Gettleman era, you walked out feeling bad about it. And the fact that they got the best prospect in the class, according to our friend Blake Jude, the fact that he got the number, I don't know why I'm doing podcast voice, but the reason that they got him, the number one prospect at pick five, suggests that they're actually doing a really good job. I think it's a crapshoot at the top of the draft, and so if it's a crapshoot at the top of the draft, the New York Giants getting Thibodeau is the best bet because you're essentially getting top two pick value at pick five. Maybe the Giants are planning to tank more, but if this is going to be the highest pick of the rebuild for the Giants, that's one that you want, especially if he's number one or number two graded most talented prospect. That's the thing you kind of want. Maybe it's just the camera angle, but Ike Maquanu looks kind of small. Like, I, I know it, I mean, he, I assume it's just the camera angle, but he looks like he's like six feet tall. I mean, the Panthers, we kind of knew they were going to take left tackle. I mean, maybe it'll work out for Carolina, maybe it won't, but at least they have him for five years. Like, it's just a building block piece more than it is anything bigger. I'm always interested to see how fans react to, like, drafting offensive linemen or drafting, like, positions that you know like you're like have to pretend like you're really excited about maybe people like actually care about offensive linemen and care about the team if they're there I'm just always fascinated by fake enthusiasm for linemen I should talk about the full lore of the blonde Giants fan who showed up to the draft because he was like super unhappy when they drafted Daniel Jones and he was super unhappy when they drafted Kadarius Toney and then like now he has an Evan Neal headband on his head as they're about to make the seventh pick in the draft, and I really hope it's Charles Cross so that we can get a meme. Okay, so did the Giants just get the two most 
starred prospects like originally last year like I know it's not the same case with that but like did the Giants just get really good value with both of their draft picks that feels like a huge victory for the Giants if they just got really good value with both picks a lot changes in a year but if they're still the top picks in the draft I feel like if they're that talented before and they've been that talented since they were like sophomores and freshmen in college and top rated high school recruits I feel like that's probably a better analysis especially once they get like NFL training so yeah those other players might also be really good it just feels like this is a huge victory for the Giants like both of their picks seem to be really good value picks and maybe maybe Aquamu's better than Evan Neal it just feels like they're both really really good value picks and that's cool because the Giants have been so bad for so long maybe I'm secretly rooting for the Giants to be bad also and I want it to not work out but it is kind of interesting how that plays out for the Giants because if you get value, especially because this is the most important draft for them because of all those picks they got to, so that the Bears could get Justin Fields last year. They got, I mean, literally, they're, I think they're hoping these are the two highest draft picks they have in their rebuild. Yay. Okay, so Atlanta Falcons continue the trend of if we never address our defense, eventually it will work itself out. We're just never going to draft defensive players, except the one time they drafted A.J. Terrell, and that one actually worked out. They're just never, ever going to draft defensive players in the draft okay uh good to know i i guess drake london's fine i think the value was like plus 250 on him to be the first wide receiver drafted so good value to whoever got him the falcons are basically i mean the falcons might have like a top five pick next year but the falcons are basically going through a rebuild and basically saying what if we draft only skill position players what if we we just tank and only draft skill position players at the top of the draft it's going out on a limb a little bit. I think the reason that draft day trades have declined in terms of like players getting traded is just because we value draft picks way more now than we used to. And maybe this will switch again in the future when people realize draft picks aren't as valuable as they may seem. I think people value draft picks so much that getting the top pick is, we now know is the best way to rebuild or reset. It's not accumulating a ton of picks as long as you get a generational talent. Maybe it won't be in the future, and maybe like we're wrong about it, but compensatory picks, I feel like, also messed with the math a little bit. All right, so the Seahawks just took Charles Cross with pick nine. So I think other than Kyle Hamilton, I think like switch Kyle Hamilton for Drake London, like all the top prospects have gone off the board at this point, which is kind of interesting. So all right, so I'm looking at Blake Jude's top prospects. So he had Thibodeau, one. He went pick five. Great value for the Giants. Hamilton, two. He's still on the board. Interesting. I thought Kyle Hamilton. Maybe someone would have reached on Hamilton. Three, Aiden Hutchinson. He went pick two. Iquanu, he went to pick five or six to Carolina. Neil pick seven. Stingley pick three. Andrew Booth, Jr. Dang, I didn't realize he had Andrew Booth as his second highest graded corner. Andrew Booth still on the board. Jermaine Johnson at eight, still on the board. Sauce Gardner, nine. Nicobe Dean, 10. Trayvon Walker, 11. Wow, Trayvon Walker, 11. I didn't. I knew Blake wasn't as high on Trayvon Walker. I just didn't think he'd have him down at 11. Yeah, I think the Jaguars just kind of effed that one up. Jaguars, Trent Balky got in love with a prospect, and he kind of messed that one up, I think. Charles Cross, 12. He just went to the Seahawks. Ojabo, Jordan Davis, Alave Wilson, da-da-da. Oh, he had Drake London as wide receiver four. 
I mean, I don't know how it's going to work out because he was wrong in 2020. Sorry, Blake, if you're listening to this. I know you were wrong in 2020, but he had Drake London as wide receiver four. So that's where we're at right now. I guess Trayvon Walker is probably going to be a bad pick. If people are saying he's the best draft prospect since Jamal Adams at the safety position, then I would think Kyle Hamilton would be the pick for the Jets at 10. Just because, I mean, you technically need a safety. It's also just best player available. I guess Garrett Wilson at 10 is good because it was their biggest position of need. And like they, they literally have no wide receivers similar to the Falcons. I'm I'm still really fascinated by how the wide receiver market has exploded this offseason because even last year in the draft, I don't know how this year's wide receiver class compared to last year's, but like it's interesting that Waddle and Chase and Pitts and Devonta Smith were all top 10 picks and all of these teams that didn't have wide receivers traded for wide receivers and paid for wide receivers. It was all really interesting. Okay, the Saints just traded up with Washington to pick 11, which is really interesting because I assume it's going to be Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett because why would you trade up if you're not going to pick a quarterback? Uh, oh gosh, that's so interesting. I'm real because this is they traded back into the first round this year for that reason, which maybe they get. I don't think they gave up the second first, but because they only had to jump five picks, I assume. I guess, I mean, it has to be a quarterback unless they really, really like Kyle Hamilton. It's got to be a quarterback, I assume, because the Saints don't have a first rounder next year anymore. So the Saints are going all in to instead of tearing it all down, they're going all in to keep the roster where it is. Oh, man, that's super interesting. Washington, I guess that makes sense for Washington. Washington didn't really need the picks all that much. Saints at 11. That's super fascinating. I'm, Kyle Hamilton's going to fall to someone, and someone's going to be really happy. It's going to be Baltimore. It's going to be Baltimore, I, I assume. Kyle Hamilton, this star safety, is going to fall into the lap of Washington, of the Baltimore Ravens, and we're all going to laugh at it. Oh, shit, it was Chris Olave. Holy shit. I mean, I love it. Shout out 619 Chris Alave. I had the I had the Chiefs trading up to get Chris Alave, but damn, it was the Saints. I guess that makes sense cuz the Saints only had to trade up like 5 spots, so it wasn't really like they were trading their entire franchise to make it happen. So, oh shit. Okay. What well, breaking news? Traded pick. Vikings trade pick to the Lions. Okay, Lions got to take Willis or Pickett, one of the two. It's they got to pick a quarterback here. It's got to be a quarterback. Okay, shit, back-to-back trades. Oh, during our live draft coverage. Oh, so perfect, so perfect. Back-to-back trades. Oh my gosh, who are the Lions gonna pick? Who are the Lions gonna pick? Okay, shit, shit is getting interesting. It's got to be a quarterback, right? Lions had to trade up from 32, so I assume they had to give up another, like, Rams pick or something to make it happen. Okay, this is this has got to be a top draft pick. It's got to be a top pick. Hold up. Wait, Jamison Williams is pick 12 to Detroit. Detroit traded a the 32 pick, let the Vikings move up in the second round, and gave up a third so Detroit could take Jamison Williams with pick 12? Damn, three trades in a row. Okay, Eagles are at 13. They took Jordan Davis. I feel like they could have sat at 15 and still gotten Jordan Davis. Whatever, though. Uh, I guess they'll take that at 13. 14 is going to be Kyle Hamilton, right? Like, the the Baltimore Ravens are going to luck into the number two prospect in the entire draft class because the NFL draft is always dumb and just lets the Baltimore Ravens always have nice things. 
holy shit. Okay, so Hollywood Brown just got traded. Hollywood Brown just got traded to the Cardinals? Shit, okay. Just when I said draft day trades were done, Hollywood Brown just got traded to Arizona. Okay, we're still waiting for details on the values, although Kyle Hamilton's the 14 pick. Okay, there we go. So Kyle Hamilton's picked 14. Of course he was, because Baltimore's going to luck their way into a generational safety talent that just fell into their lap at pick 14. There, Lamar Jackson gets hurt. They should have won the, NF, the AFC North, and they're just going to luck their way into Kyle Hamilton. Okay, really cool. Glad that's going to work out for Baltimore. And Baltimore got... The 23 pick from the Cardinals, and then the Cardinals got a third-round compensatory pick. That feels basically just like the Orlando Brown trade from last year. A few interesting parallels from 2021 to 2022. The 11 pick got traded. The Eagles traded up two picks to get a player they probably could have gotten at pick 12. This year, they jumped from 15 to 13. Last year, it was 12 to 10, so they could get Devonta Smith feels like uh that one's a parallel they basically the baltimore just re-executed the orlando brown trade again like year three of a contract didn't want to give out an extension so they traded for a first round pick and gave back slight bit of value okay so by the way just to update uh Kenyon green the guard from texas a&m went to houston houston just picking best player available or something like that i don't know houston just needs every position still they get an extra draft pick Okay, so looking at the old Jimmy Johnson value chart, they basically traded Hollywood Brown for the 29 pick in the NFL draft. So like the very end of the first round to early second round pick. I don't know how I feel about that. Because like, okay, so the wide receivers have just gone like four in a row. Okay, so I assume that Jahan Dotson's going to go at some point here and Traylon Burks is going to go at some point probably before we get to Green Bay no I guess he'll they'll make it to Green Bay maybe but still like all of those wide receivers are going and Hollywood Brown is essentially the wide receiver two for the Arizona Cardinals so they were going to maybe sit at 23 and draft a wide receiver two and they just kind of kick the can down the road. I don't know how much the compensatory pick helps. I guess it, it depends on who the player is going to end up being. They did basically just get the wide receiver too, though. I also just remembered that Marquise Hollywood Brown played in college with Kyler Murray. I can't remember if it was Baker or Kyler who had the famous pass that gifted the magical Gus Johnson Hollywood Brown call that I miss so much. Hollywood Brown, the first time he ever hit that call, it was just fantastic. And I was like, who is this guy? And that was when I learned the lore of Gus Johnson as a child. But I guess that's a really great point is Kyler Murray and Hollywood were high school or college teammates at Oklahoma. That's really interesting. During Kyler's Heisman season, that was his number one target. And they missed on CeeDee Lamb, who was also one of Kyler's, I think Kyler's number two target. They passed on him in 2020 when Kyler wanted them to pick CeeDee Lamb, and so they got Hollywood Brown. Man, that's fascinating. So following the trend of Tua and Waddle and Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and like college teammates that already have rapport, man, Brady and Gronk changed the game on this, man. Like Brady and Gronk changed the game. With having that connection and that value point, 
and the repetitions in the past of like knowing where the receiver is going to be, they changed the game on like trying to pair college wide receivers and college quarterbacks together. That's super fascinating because now you put Kyler together. Even Lamar and Hollywood, like they they played in the same region. They didn't play on the same high school team, but they played it both down in Hollywood, Jupiter, Florida. So they like buddies going back to grade school. So that, I'm sure Lamar's probably pissed about that. Shit, Jahan Dotson just went at pick 16. Okay, so Jahan Dotson, 16 pick to Washington. I'm okay with that for Washington. Maybe you take Jermaine Johnson there, but Washington's probably fine with with Jahan Dotson at 16. It's interesting because Washington traded down and still got their basic wide receiver too. They just, I guess, would rather value Dotson and whatever picks they got from the Saints than getting either Alave. I guess the Saints really wanted Alave, but I guess they're cool with Dotson. That's interesting. They could have stayed at 11 and gotten either Alave or Jamison Williams. I guess they were cool with Dotson plus the picks. Interesting. I mean, I don't know if we trust, do we trust Washington on that one? Man, wide receivers are just going off right now. Wide receivers are going bananas. I don't, God, I don't know how I feel about the Hollywood Brown thing. Cause I don't think of Hollywood Brown as this great wide receiver and also know he was a first round pick who with a great quarterback was a fine wide receiver. Like he had a thousand yards last year, but he, there's no way he was going to get a contract, man. That's fascinating. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. I can see that Walter really loves the trade, though. Walter Mitchell, of course, covers the Cardinals on the Red Rain podcast, which you can check out wherever you get podcasts. He loves the trade as like a reconciliation between Kyler and the Cardinals. That's interesting. I guess it's better than the alternative, right? So I guess if they don't get Dotson or Burks, they're kind of stuck in purgatory again, and they didn't improve the receiving core. The third round pick's probably fine, right? Like they basically gave up a low first to high second round pick for Hollywood Brown. He's got two years left on his contract. They can maybe franchise tag him if he balls out, but even then he's a wide receiver too on the Cardinals. So man, I don't know. That's really interesting. It's interesting to see what the market dictates. Cause I would, I would have thought it would have been one of the other wide receivers that gets traded. All right. So that was the part where I was just recording every single pick and having conversations with my brother and watching the draft. Um, so then AJ Brown got traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. And if I had to redo this whole draft process again, we would be leading with AJ Brown getting traded to the Philadelphia Eagles and the Titans, by the way, immediately drafting a wide receiver with pick 18. This is just totally, cha- I mean, it's not totally changing. This is indicative of the wide receiver market changing. And it feels like the takeaway from this, which might be a little too short term, is the wide receiver market has totally changed. And either we've been undervaluing them for years now, going back to the change of the rules in the NFL, either we've been undervaluing wide receivers for so long or everyone is overvaluing them because of the trends in the NFL right now. And I don't like to do the ultimatums on this. The answer probably does lie somewhere in the middle. It just feels like 
how could it change so quickly in the valuations of the wide receiver market to the point where Hollywood Brown and AJ Brown, who were like studs of the 2019 draft, are getting traded on draft night. Six wide receivers are getting picked between picks eight and picks 18. It's so fascinating to see the change in the wide receiver market in the NFL. And by the way, for the Philadelphia Eagles, who were in on Debo Samuel before, they were in on DK Metcalf before. The Eagles were the team that if we were pointing to one to make a trade, they would have been the team. They they probably would have been the team to trade for Hollywood Brown if I had to throw one out there. It's really interesting that the Eagles use their extra draft capital to get established star and use cap space that they got from Carson Wentz as an asset like this to get A.J. Brown and give him the $25 million a year contract. Because there are only so few places that those types of contracts are going to be available. With a quarterback, there's only one quarterback on the team. With the wide receiver position, there are multiple wide receivers at varying levels of contracts. So Robert Woods, I guess, is now the big money receiver for the Titans to a certain extent. And Robert Woods is probably going to slide into the A.J. Brown role, which I guess to a certain extent made A.J. Brown's skill set a little repetitive. And I've seen in the playoffs like A.J. Brown get totally nuked by Bill Belichick or by the Cincinnati Bengals. Like I've seen A.J. Brown get nuked in playoff games. I guess Baltimore even too. He got nuked in that Baltimore game a bit too. Marlon Humphrey kind of locked him down in the playoffs in 2020. So like I've seen that before and at the same time, yes, you could argue the skill set was repetitive. And also the Titans drafted a wide receiver in the first round. So... I guess is like the the Rashad Bateman versus this is this is the equivalent of the Rashad Bateman and Michael Thomas debate I had last year, which was if you can guarantee me Michael Thomas as expensive as it is and the capital you have to give up to get him, do you make that ex- that exchange for the unknown possibly of Rashad Bateman? And I'm not sure it, it could go either way on that one. I'm not a hundred percent sure which direction I fall on that debate. I think it's a case-to-case basis. I like the idea that the Eagles were throwing out there of trading for A.J. Brown, especially when you're basically looking at a trade now where the Eagles got A.J. Brown and they basically traded Jalen Waddle and two third-round picks for A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith. I think that turned out pretty damn well for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I know that the pick they traded was the Carson Wentz pick. The two were back-to-back, so I'm kind of calling them about the same on this one. I'm amazed that the Eagles took that kind of value and were willing to invest it in a wide receiver that is really good. I think he's like in that second tier of wide receivers with Mike Evans and, to a certain extent, Justin Jefferson. I think Jefferson's kind of teetering on the line there and Debo Samuel in that group, and Keenan Allen. It's interesting that they were willing to pay a premium for that type of capital. And it's the same thing that the Raiders did, the same thing that the Dolphins did, the same thing that a lot of teams were doing in drafting. I mean, the Falcons are trying to do it, I guess, a little bit. But drafting wide receivers to give your quarterbacks an opportunity to become stars. The Jets did it by taking Garrett Wilson with pick 10, And the Saints, I guess, are trying to do it with Chris Olave. I was surprised the Saints didn't pick a quarterback there. And so that was interesting. And it's interesting to see the wide receiver market expand the way it has because 
is every these wide receivers have either been criminally undervalued forever or you're going to see a whole bunch of mistakes because if they were accurately valued in the past which is you know maybe true maybe not it's interesting how groupthink works in an entire market and by the way the, the game changes I'm sure rule changes have a lot to do with the increasing value of wide receivers. Rule changes of the last 10 years probably have a lot to do with the changing values of wide receivers. And wide receivers can have longer careers than, say, running backs or even other positions. So it's interesting to see that change so quickly because we've never seen a move like this in one offseason and by the way, in the past, there is a scenario where A.J. Brown, a caliber of receiver like A.J. Brown, leaves in free agency, or a caliber of receiver of A.J. Brown fights for a new contract, and probably gets a big contract with the team he was with before. I think the thing that's changed is that the trade is more common in the NFL now because you have to give up money, and you have to have cap space and draft picks as assets to get people. And this was always the case before. I think it's just more commonplace because of how large the contracts may be for a position that doesn't get the same level of value. And either people are adapting and evolving, or this is a market that is going to correct itself once these contracts don't work out. It's just a perfect confluence of events that DeAndre Hopkins got traded by Bill O'Brien and got $27 million from the Cardinals. And then Christian Kirk got that contract from the Jaguars, which led to Devontae Adams, who had been fighting for two years to get out of Green Bay, getting his way out of Green Bay. And then Tyreek Hill and the Chiefs coming to an agreement on a trade. And Stephon Diggs going to the Bills and negotiating a contract extension. And the fact that the 2019 wide receiver class was so effing stacked. I mean, I forgot about Marquise Hollywood Brown in that 2019 draft class. That 2019 wide receiver class ended up having Hollywood Brown. It, and by the way, Hollywood Brown was the first of the receivers taken at pick 25. It had Hollywood Brown as the first round receiver. It had Debo Samuel. It had DK Metcalf. It had AJ Brown. It had Mecole Hardman. It had Deontay Johnson. Like this wide receiver class was so good and it's interesting to see how that market has corrected itself a little bit here over the last couple of years now it's interesting to see how it's going to change it after this one because the thing that's interesting about AJ Brown he was the first domino to fall when it comes to the 2019 draft class I mean technically also um, Marquise Brown was before that Marquise Brown was like 20 minutes before uh, AJ Brown got traded and they are pretty much the first dominoes to fall as DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel and Terry McLaurin are the next ones to fall of the first year guys. All of, or I'm sorry, first contract. So this is the first contract for all those guys. The interesting thing about the market this year was D, um, DK, not DK Metcalf, uh, Tyreek Hill. This was his third contract. Devonte Adams, third contract. Stefan Diggs, third contract. Um, What's, uh, what was interesting is that DJ Moore and Mike Evans hit free agency and they got new contracts. That was their second contracts. And for Hollywood and AJ Brown, it's now trickled down to the guys who are on their third year and coming up on extensions after their rookie deals. So it was like a trickle down effect because those players at the top who were probably more skilled, I think Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, 
um, DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs, probably as skilled, if not more skilled than the receivers that we're talking about with A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, maybe Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Marquise Hollywood-Brown. Those guys probably better. Maybe that's just because they've been doing it for longer and we've become accustomed to their skill sets and their consistent greatness. Those guys all got new contracts. And then the guys on extensions in free agency got one. Like DJ Moore got an extension from his rookie deal. And Mike um, Mike Williams got a contract in free agency. And Christian Kirk obviously was a weird signing that helped reset the market. And now it's gone down to the guys who have leverage and are coming up on contract extensions. And the wide receiver market still changed so quickly on us where two guys got traded real quick after an offseason where Adams got traded and Tyreek Hill got traded when this has like never happened before. DeAndre Hopkins did get traded in 2020, yes. And Odell Beckham got traded before that. And Antonio Brown on his third contract got traded from Pittsburgh to to Oakland at the time. It happens sometimes, it rarely happens. It, it's happened more often, I guess. Jarvis Landry also got traded. It's rare that they were hit one after the other. And it's either a perfect confluence of events that a bunch of teams are going to regret. Not everyone's going to regret it, but a bunch of teams are going to regret it. Or it's a reset of the market that everyone didn't really see coming. And it's interesting to see because as much as I don't like the Titans and like making jokes about the Titans, I do trust the Titans relatively to make good moves. John Robinson has been a pretty good general manager in his time with the Titans. I mean, heck, he took a team that was at the top of the draft every year has built a team that's made the playoffs three years in a row, four times in five years. So that's an interesting little pivot that the Titans have there. I do trust them to do right. I trust the Chiefs to make the right moves, which, by the way, the Chiefs getting Trent McDuffie feels like a big old win for them. I think they also got, um, what was his name, George Karloffis. That was a nice little pickup for them. Went both defense there instead of wide receiver, which, by the way, I think might actually be the right move for Kansas City because you can wait until later in the draft to get your wide receiver help if you're just looking for a third or fourth wide receiver, which is what the Kansas City Chiefs are trying for at this point because Kelsey's your number one, Juju's your number two, Meikle's your number three, Valdez Scantling's your number four. You've kind of built a nice little receiving core out there, and if you just need a little depth piece, it's better to take it later in the draft. It's interesting how in the wide receiver market shifting Kansas City, Tennessee, Green Bay, to a certain extent San Francisco, we'll see what they end up doing. They've kind of taken different approaches of let's try and find value within the margins at this position that everyone else is valuing. Because if we're correct, that will be a competitive advantage the same way when we were talking about the Giants. That'll be a competitive advantage for the New York Giants if Thibodeau and Evan Neal become the players that they were projected to be months ago when I saw they were the debates for the number one pick at the end of the draft last year into the college football season, and only during draft season did those numbers change. And I stand to reason that the three years of analysis beforehand were probably more accurate in our projections than they are right now. Because Blake Jude had Trayvon Walker as his 11th prospect. That's probably just the Jaguars being the Jaguars and taking a not as high a ceiling guy with the first pick because it was safer or because they really liked it. That's where you can find value within the margins is taking players who are talented above 
where your draft positioning is. And while I think Traylon Burks is probably a reach for the Titans, I don't know if they're asking Traylon Burks to be A.J. Brown. And the good news for them is they have him under contract for five years on a rookie deal, which sucks that he can't make more money in that context. It just benefits management in a salary cap sport in which the NFL has set the values of draft picks higher because you can suppress the wages of a Traylon Burks instead of paying $25 million a year and 59 guaranteed to A.J. Brown, which maybe works out, maybe doesn't for the Eagles. I think the Eagles' bigger problem is Jalen Hurts is not the most accurate quarterback in the world. It certainly doesn't hurt to have 2,000-yard receivers on your team and building out a hell of a receiving core. I love the trade for the Eagles. The Eagles are indisputably better tonight than they were yesterday, and I think their next step is going to be upgrading the quarterback position. That's something they're not going to have for you know at least a year because they're still committed to the Jalen Hurts experiment. It doesn't solve all their problems, and it certainly makes the Eagles a better team today than it, they were yesterday by not having A.J. Brown. It's all about the trade-offs, right? They had to give up a first-round pick, a third-round pick, and $100 million in order to get that. Is the lockdown number one corner going to be worth that much? It's the same question the Raiders were asking when they gave up pick 22 and a second-round pick and $120 million to sign Devontae Adams and sign and trade for Devontae Adams. Or the Dolphins giving up two first-round picks for Jalen Waddell and a first-round pick and another premium pick to get Tyreek Hill. So where does the value lie in that? And, by the way, gave Tyreek Hill $120 million himself. So you got to calculate what the trade-offs are in that situation. We'll find out in a year or two years. It'll be interesting to come back at draft time next year and revisit how the wide receiver market changed not just with the guys who got second contracts, but also Hollywood Brown getting traded, A.J. Brown getting traded on his third year of a rookie deal, assuming Metcalf will be up for uh, a trade at some point here. McLaurin's probably good at this point if they're going to get him and Dotson together. I assume that's probably the, the strategy for Washington with Carson Wentz and a team that's still 7-10. and 10. 7 and 10, 8 and 9, Washington football team. No, you can add Carson Wentz, you can add Jahan Dotson, you can add some draft picks. You are still the same 8 and 9 team that I remember you being before. 8 and 9 on paper, 8 and 9 in record. But they're going to try that strategy and keep McLaurin. It'll be interesting to see a year from now, two really more two years from now probably, but at least starting to see how the how it plays out and who ended up being correct in the wide receiver market evaluation. And again, it's going to probably be a mixed bag of results because like I said at the top, I know I, I hit the, the ultimatum of this is either going to be everyone is effing up and everyone's overvaluing wide receivers. And like I said before, I don't trust the Raiders, Dolphins, Eagles. Uh, who else was in the mix there? The Jets. I don't really trust those teams to get it right in these equations. Um, and, and maybe it's going to be a mixed bag of results where like Alave going to the Saints works out wonderfully. Or I, I don't also I also don't trust the Lions. The Lions giving up like multiple premium picks to get Jamison Williams. Don't trust that shit, especially when Jared Goff is still your quarterback. So, you know, you, you, you do the calculation there and figure out 
who is probably going to be right, but then we will see how it plays out. And I imagine the results are going to be a mixed bag based on whether these wide receivers end up panning out in their locations. Some will probably work, some won't, but we've now got like a 10 team sample size. That's a third of the NFL. Think about that. So you have the Packers, the Chiefs, the Raiders, the Dolphins, the Titans, the Eagles, the Falcons, Detroit, New Orleans, uh, the Jets, like the Dolphins, I I said the Dolphins already, like all of these teams, uh, uh, to a certain extent, the Cardinals, all of these teams are experimenting with the wide receiver position and what drives the most value. And because they all happen in the same off season, it'll be easy. Oh, also the Cowboys trading Amari Cooper to the, to the Browns and the Browns just willing to take on the money and the Cowboys kind of picking and choosing their roster around that. By the way, Cowboys finally did the position of need thing, even though the Cowboys always just pick best player available. They took position of need this time and got Tyler Smith from Tulsa. They kind of reached on Tyler Smith from Tulsa a little bit, and that was the position of need pick for the Cowboys. But the point is, with the wide receivers, they're all going to get drafted relatively in the same class, or relative. They're all going to go to their different ways together, and this might include DK Metcalf, and it might include Terry McLaurin. This massive shift of like a third of the league, we can come back two years from now, see how these worked out, and get a better evaluation of what the wide receiver market actually is. I think that's really, really fascinating because it happened so quickly and kind of right under our noses. Like afterwards, we could see the DeAndre Hopkins trade change the wide receiver market. Christian Kirk, which I called the Jaguars tax, changed the market. Mike uh, Mike Williams and Chris Godwin and DJ Moore getting extensions and then the Devontae Adams trade. And it kind of just trickled on down from there. It's going to be interesting to see how the results play out because it's a total landscape shift of the wide receiver position in the NFL. And we're going to need two years to see how the results pan out. All right, so what else do we have to break down from the end of the first round of the draft? Patriots reached on a lineman. Patriots reached like two rounds on a lineman. Maybe that works out for the Patriots, but they got all those extra picks in there. Belichick will find his guys. If you're going to trust Belichick, trust him drafting offensive linemen, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it just adds to the lore of the Patriots not being able to draft in the first round. Um, Oh, Kenny Pickett's a stealer. Uh, how about that? Kenny Kenny Pickett ended up being a stealer, which is a little bit shocking. Malik Willis didn't get drafted at all in the first round. I wonder what Blake Jude's going to think about that because I know everyone was praising the Malik Willis train and it's going to kick it down to the second round, I suppose, now. All the people who thought quarterbacks were going to get taken at the end of the first round were off this year. Um, the quarterback class was weak. People acknowledged the quarterback class was weak. But Kenny Pickett gets to be a stealer. The 35-year-old Pittsburgh quarterback gets to stay in Pittsburgh. If you want to do the the waxing nostalgia, 1983 Pittsburgh Steelers passed on Dan Marino. Local from Pittsburgh, grew up in Pittsburgh, played at the University of Pittsburgh, passed on him, ended up regretting it for a decade because it set the franchise back. And they, uh, they got the Pittsburgh kid this time, although... Not the highly touted prospect. It's still the greatest quarterback Pittsburgh has probably had since Dan Marino, and that's just because I can't think of another Pitt quarterback other than the Peterman. Nathan Peterman. 
the Peter Man, man. Shout out John Gruden. I'm not ready to do the dirty Gruden impersonation yet, though. Um, so yeah, Bickett went 20 to the Steelers. I thought the Steelers were in love with Malik Willis. They are not. I suppose uh, his development will be years in the making since, well, no, he could start week one. I don't know. Uh, Pickett's not a highly touted prospect, and they didn't really reach to draft him. So if you want to wait, wade Trubisky into the waters first, could work out. Um, Packers didn't draft a wide receiver. Packer, <laughs> the internet was great at the Packers, loving the Packers committing to the bit and just choosing not to draft a wide receiver. I don't know how that's going to play out for the Packers down the road, but they did get two Georgia defensive players. Probably worked out okay for them. I'm sure that they'll uh, they'll love Quay Walker and Devontae Wyatt, considering I think one of our mock drafts we had Devontae Wyatt going to the Packers, or maybe we had him going to Tampa. Speaking of which, Tampa traded out of the first round, and Devin Lloyd went to the Jaguars. Jermaine Johnson fell to the Jets. That was pretty shocking. The Jets got... I think three of the top, I, Garrett Wilson, I don't remember where he was, but like three of the top 12 prospects in the draft, according to Blake Jude. That's a pretty good haul for the Jets. And they got all those extra picks from Sam Darnold, and they used it to get a possible stud edge rusher who sh- coulda, shoulda, woulda gone in the top five or top 10 at the very least. Oof. They showed on the, the broadcast there was a 1% chance that Jermaine Johnson made it to pick 25, which was Baltimore, which I assumed that Baltimore would not only luck into Kyle Hamilton, they'd also get Jermaine Johnson, who was, I think, like prospect number five on Blake Jude's board or eight. I think it was eight now that I think about it. I should probably just have it up and make it easier. But Blake Jude had him as his eighth overall prospect. He went 25 to the Jets. Like maybe the Jets will mess it up somehow, but good job, Jets. They got... Uh, they got, well, first of all, they got Garrett Wilson. They got Sauce Gardner. Oh, it turned out to be freaking fantastic for them. How about it? Um, the Jets ended up pulling out a nice, pulling out a fast one, shall we say. Turned out very well for them. Nicobe Dean getting, didn't get drafted, right? Yeah, no, Nicobe Dean, number 10 on Blake Jude's board, didn't get drafted in the first round. Andrew Booth Jr., who Blake Jude had rated above Sauce Gardner, didn't get drafted in the first round. Pretty shocking how some of those worked out. Someone's going to get some good value. Kind of like how Jawan Taylor got drafted as a value pick in day two a couple years ago. Uh, who else is in the mix here? Tyler Lindenbaum did end up going to Baltimore, which I guess people were saying that was a great pick. The Buffalo traded up two picks to take Kyir Elam, who was probably going to fall to them at 25 anyways. They just wanted to give up a fourth-round pick to guarantee that they would get Kyir Elam, even though no one was going to take him in two picks. You know what? Whatever. You do you, Buffalo. Uh, you, you've, you've proven yourself worthy in the past, or at least worthy of benefit of the doubt, so I shall give you credit for that one. Um, I didn't realize the internet hated the Kenyon Green pick. I said it was good when we were doing our original broadcast, but I guess the internet did not like uh, the pick of Kenyon Green for the Houston Texans. Um, well, I guess the Giant when the Giants and Jets are doing well in the draft, I immediately think, damn, you're going to ruin them somehow. Uh, Saints got an offensive lineman along with Chris Olave. They got Trevor Penning, who was going to go in the first round. He just went a little earlier, I think, than 
people thought he was going to be. Let's see what our buddy Blake Jude had uh, our our old Trevor Penning at here. Trevor Penning was uh, looks like. No, it looks like Trevor Penning is is even below Tyler Smith. So I guess it was a little bit of a reach in that respect. Just more interesting than I thought it would be. Um, but yeah, Trevor Penning ends up getting drafted. Um, who else we got in here? We talked about McDuffie. The Chiefs' second pick was Karloffis. Um, who else did we not mention here? Is that everyone? That might be might be everyone of intrigue in the draft. We got the Jaguars in there. Um yeah, I think that's every... Well, I guess the Bengals themselves took Daxton Hill. Uh, the Vikings got Lewis Seen, so two safeties at the end of the draft. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the first round of the draft. Skeptical when the Jets and Giants do well. You, you immediately start getting scared. But if the Jets and Giants did do well and we think they're the winners of the draft, we might as well play their beloved music to play us out of the 2022 NFL Draft recap show here on the Take It Easy podcast. New York, New York. I hope you enjoy your night. New York is happy. Philly is happy. Oh, I almost forgot NBA playoff stuff since we're going to be off the air for a couple days. Uh, Utah, Utah, always delivering the pain. Utah, always delivering the pain. Not just Mike Conley traveling at the end of game six. Mike Conley giving away the game, but then the Mavericks giving them a chance. Bogdanovich having a wide open three because Dallas blew a defensive assignment. Two seconds left and Bogdanovich clanked a three. Oh, the last, the, the end of the Utah Jazz as they are currently constructed is a wide open three-pointer and it did not go in the utah jazz are sad and thank god to everyone the dallas mavericks get to advance because it will be much more enjoyable for all of us it will be much more enjoyable for all of us all of us that the utah jazz are advancing to the art that the utah jazz are gone and that the Dallas Mavericks are advancing instead of them. And uh, yeah, Rudy Gobert for DeAndre Ayton. I'm still floating that out there. Speaking of DeAndre Ayton, Phoenix Suns, you didn't collapse at the end. Thank goodness for that. The Phoenix Suns did not collapse to the Pelicans. And no Game 7 between uh, 76ers and Raptors. At least the 76ers did not blow that one. Uh, DeAndre Ayton, 22-7-4 and in 40 minutes. Chris Paul, 33 points. Devin Booker didn't have a great game, didn't need to, because Chris Paul had that one every two games baller moment for Chris Paul. Average 14 points, sometimes he's going to give you four, sometimes he's going to give you 33. 33 is enough to win that game and win that series for the Suns. So Suns advance, 76ers advance, Mavericks advance, and for just the enjoyment of basketball fans, those were the best results. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast NFL Draft recap show to get this podcast to just about an hour. Let's play us out with the wonderful stylings of Frank Sinatra to the possible winners of the NFL Draft, or at least I'm going to defend as the winners of the NFL Draft as them and 
Philadelphia, although time will tell with the wide receiver market. I think this, if any of the wide receiver moves are going to work out, Philadelphia's feels like it's going to work out really well. Even though I'm not the biggest Jalen Hurts fan, it's still going to work out really well for Philadelphia, given what they had to give up to get A.J. Brown and the contract that he got. I think it's going to be a pretty good deal for Philadelphia. But anyways, Philadelphia gets to be a winner, and the New York teams apparently get to be winners, which is cause for skeptical optimism Walk about our draft analysis skills. But we'll figure out two years from now how good all these players ended up being. For now, celebrate New York fans because you come out of a draft not looking stupid. And you got to dominate the draft tonight because you had five picks in the first round. And all of them seemed to be really, really good. All of them were 12, top, top 12 prospects in the draft. And I think it just might be a beautiful night for you beloved New York football fans who have been so tormented for 10 years of shit football. Jets haven't made the playoffs since 2010. Giants have not won a playoff game since 2012. They've only played in one, and that one shouldn't count, but they did make one. It's been a long, tortured past, and maybe, just maybe, this is the turning point for New York football. Maybe one day we'll look back at tonight and say, New York football had a magical turning point. Start spreading the news I'm leaving today I want to be a part of it New York, New 